All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Providence POV, Episode 5. It's Joe Howie. I'm here with Peter DiBiase, welcoming you back. Volume 4, Episode 5, Winter is Coming. It's that time of year. We're, we're slowly creeping into December. The matchups are getting a little bit more difficult on the road ahead. But first and foremost, we're going to be talking about the Lehigh recap from Friday night and looking ahead to tomorrow night's matchup against Wagner. We're currently recording this on Monday, the 27th. We hope everybody had a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Peter, how were your few days off? They were good. Good. A couple of days off from classes here at Providence College. So that was uh, that was nice. Got to watch. I actually didn't watch it live Friday night, but I went back and watched the game and obviously we have a lot to talk about some some good obviously when you win by 14 it's always good you take care of business you move on to the next one but obviously there were some slight concerns and some different facets of the game that will definitely break down but no it was overall good had a good thanksgiving love to hear it um yeah no you're you're right it was kind of a weird game because on one hand you have bryce hopkins and josh oduro just absolutely owning lehigh in the paint um, but on the other hand, you know, you have some real defensive struggles that we'll get into later, but certainly a weird game. Um, you could kind of tell that the Friars were, uh, I don't know, maybe coming off of that, those couple of days rest between, uh, the Bahamas and traveling back and Thanksgiving, maybe they were just off a little bit, but nevertheless, uh, wasn't their best performance. Wasn't their worst. Let's get into it. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. Like, look, look, you had Bryce Hopkins had twenty five points. He was ten for sixteen from the field. He had a double double, fourteen rebounds. It was it was a get right game for Bryce Hopkins, and obviously Josh Josh Adore was great, but he has been great the last couple of games. So I'm not saying we expect twenty nine points every game from Josh Duro, but he's been producing at a high level the last handful of games, uh, basically all of the games. Uh, for the Friars in their first six games. But Bryce Hopkins, obviously, we've talked about him a ton. He's probably our most talked about player on, on the podcast, and rightfully so. 25 points, he was good. And, look, obviously, Lehigh, they're one in five, right? Like, they don't have a Division One win. Uh, they, they've struggled this year. It wasn't one of those big-time matchups. So it was good for Bryce Hopkins, but it's still one of those things where we know he can do it against big-time teams. We saw it last year, but – it's still one of those type of things where like this is this year it's obviously a queen slate. You want to see it against a big time team. So before he does that, it's still like we still not cause for concern for Bryce Hopkins, but there's still like that little a little bit of skeptic uh skepticism if he can fully do it this year. But if you're gonna do it 25 points, 14 rebounds against the Lehigh, he kind of took care of business. And hopefully this kind of projects him into the Wagner game, but more importantly, the URI game, and then obviously the, the big-time matchup against Oklahoma next week. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, you know, we, we haven't necessarily knocked him. I think that's a little bit harsh, but we've certainly been critical of him, and I think when you are the player at the level uh, that Bryce Hopkins is at and you're receiving the, you know, the – trophy case of preseason accolades that he has received um not to mention what he's produced on the court last season all of those things considered when you look at the way that he has played up until the lehigh game through the first part of this season here it's certainly head scratching um 
And now listen, there's a there's so many different factors here. New coach, new system, new teammates. Um, this is the second time in three years that Hopkins has had to go through a, an adjustment like that. So by no means is it his fault. But I think from a fan's perspective, we, we certainly were expecting different. Um, needless to say, Friday night, the Bryce Hopkins that took the floor against Lehigh was the Bryce Hopkins that I think a majority of the Friar fan base has been expecting for the most part, the, the early part of this season here. Um, and like you said, Peter, stuff in the stat sheet, 25 points, 14 rebounds, 11 defensive rebounds, three assists, and the best stat of the night, zero turnovers. That was huge because he's holistically as a team, this has been an issue, but for him personally, taking care of the basketball has been a problem. So Bryce Hopkins, his fingerprints were all over this game. He had that massive dunk in the first half where he jumped from like the freaking free throw line and dunked it over two Lehigh players in the paint. Really, really good all around performance for Hopkins. It was like you said, Peter, it was a get right game. And I think it comes at the perfect time because you have another tune up against Wagner tomorrow uh, as we're recording this on Monday. Tune up against Wagner, Wagner tomorrow. And then although URI on paper isn't much of a threat, they are, it's a rivalry game. There's a lot of emotion that goes into that bragging rights. You know, URI has been on the, the wrong side of the, this matchup for the better part of a, a decade and a half. So it's a rivalry game. And then, you know, the following week you have a ranked Oklahoma squad. So this is the time for Bryce Hopkins to get right. It was against Lehigh. It's tomorrow against Wagner. You know, if this is what it takes to get him cooking, to get him going, then I'll absolutely take it. Yeah, I know. I 100% agree. The no turnovers is great. Obviously, Jaden Pierre didn't play. And I, I'm not saying I would, wouldn't be shocked if he didn't play against Wagner, but it's one of those type of games where you could probably leave him out again, get him right, get him a couple uh, – basically yeah. two, two weeks off that hamstring could kind of do him a, 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 a service down the stretch in the year or just even for Saturday against your eye because you know those hamstring injuries are – is it a hamstring or groin? I, I think it's I, hamstring. I've okay, heard so, both, but I think it's yeah. hamstring. So hamstring, obviously those non, like I'm not a doctor, but like those like non-contact, like those soft tissue, soft tissue injuries are kind of always dicey. You can kind of see that a lot in NFL and college football. Those receivers yeah. that get those hamstring injuries and they're out for like four to eight weeks, and you're just like, like wow, like you just didn't expect it. No, but I thought I thought Hopkins played really well watching watching the game back. Obviously, I didn't get to watch it live. Adoro was good. He's been great. Like it's one of those. I, I think you and I, after the first game, I don't think you and I were concerned about Josh Aduro because it's one game against Columbia. But there was definitely that type of – because he didn't dominate against Columbia. So you and I no. definitely had that little, like, pause. We're like, okay. Like, we know our big – our front court is was a, a cause for concern heading into the year. And a lot of riding on Aduro. And we kind of saw from game one, he like he wasn't dominant. Like it, and it was it was it was just right in front of us, and he wasn't dominant. But he's every game he's progressed really nicely. He's like we, you, I think you said it last week, Joe. He is he's an old school type of player. Yep. I'm looking at the stats right now. He is tied for 19th in the country in field goal percentage at 66.7 percent. Like that is great. Like I, I know a lot of his touches are near close to the basket, so he should be high up there. But like. If he's just capitalizing on that and you can kind of have that safety net and that kind of go-to player when the offense on the perimeter breaks down, it's it's it saves a lot of struggle for this team. And I think Adoro, once again, was just dominant. And he's been 
since game one been an absolute game record for the Friars. Yeah, and I really like the point you made about, you know, after game one, we weren't, you know, skeptical of him. But I think we were scratching our heads a little yeah. bit um, because of the way he played. And granted, it was Columbia opening night. He was coming off of that late uh, preseason injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more so we were just um, relieved and in awe of the way that Rafael Castro played. So really not a discredit to Oduro, but I think you're right. We didn't really give him the flowers that he so rightfully deserves, you know, now seeing the way that he's played the rest of the season. Um but I like what you said. This game, you know, it, it was great to watch. You know, obviously, if a, a guy on your team is going to put up 29 points, you want to, you know, witness that. Um, but it wasn't surprising, right? Like, Oduro has been playing really, really well the past couple of outings. Um, 29 points, 7 rebounds, 13 for 18 from the floor. He was 1 of 2 from deep, perfect from the free throw line. He did have two turnovers, but, you know, I think that's okay. <laughs> Granted, he dropped thir- almost 30 points. Um, but I think it was a really, really well-rounded game from Josh Oduro, uh, just tacking on to the series of well-rounded games that he has produced for us over this stretch here. I think when you look ahead at conference play, and I keep I, I keep beating the dead horse with this because I think it is so true, he is going to hold his own against the stable of bigs in the conference, and I am extremely confident in that. Yeah, I agree. And obviously, we praised Rafael Castro week one. And I'm not saying Rafael Castro is taking a step back, but he kind of came back to earth a little after that <laughs> uh, week one, our uh, week one, uh, game one performance. But no, I thought Josh Adora was good. Bryce Hopkins, you and I kind of said right before we came on air, it was like a two and a half man show. Yeah. Obviously, Hopkins <laughs> yeah. and Adora were great. Obviously, you didn't have Pierre. And we kind of look, I think Garway Duell is going to be a stud. And nothing's changed on me from him, but he's still not there yet, right? Like he's and people talked about him being a one and done. I kind of see him being more of a two-year player. Yep. That's I feel like that and I think two years is the max, probably, because he does have the body type and the athleticism. I think he can shoot well enough to be an NBA level point guard. So past two years, I don't see him staying. But I would at this point, unless something crazy happens, I would be shocked if he goes past year one or if he uh, leaves after one year. But you can kind of tell the offense is a little different. And it's been, well, without Pierre. And you've asked more of Devin Carter to kind of play that point guard kind of role. And he's not a point guard. Uh, He can do it. And I just think his shooting has kind of taken a step back the last couple games. And I think we've talked talked about Bryce Hopkins' struggle of shooting this season. And rightfully so. But... If we're looking at his stats, the last three games that Devin Carter's played, that's Kansas State, that's Georgia, and that's Lehigh. He shot 37% from the field against Kansas State. He shot 40% from the field against Georgia and 33% from the field against Lehigh. And then from three against Kansas State, he shot 16.7% from three, 25% from three against Georgia, and 25% from three against Lehigh. I'm not saying sound the alarms. From Devin yeah. Carter, but we, I don't think when I mean the, when I say the media, I mean like the Providence fans, the Providence beat reporters, all that kind of stuff, the local media, it has not been talked about. But Devin Carter, and even outside the Wisconsin game, he shot the Wisconsin game uh, 75% from the field, but then he struggled a little bit in the Milwaukee game, shot 41%, which isn't bad, but struggled from three at 33%. Is it 
I'm gonna. I, I know you. You host Joe, but I'm gonna pose you this question because I kind no, of go should, ahead. Should Should we be talking about like a, or should we be concerned about Devin Carter and his uh, struggle in shooting? I, I think yes, and I also think no, and I know that doesn't really answer the question at all. <laughs> um, the The reason I say yes is because, like you said, it's consistent. It's not like he's having an off game here and there. Right, like he is consistently putting up. I don't want to say bad, but I, I'm going to use weak. He's been putting up weak shooting numbers, not Bryce Hopkins level where it's sounding the alarms, but it's not. Cons- it's consistently weak. Um, with that said, I think there is a logical explanation for it, and he's taking more shots. Right, we joked about it on last week's episode when he took what was it, sixteen threes. I think it was 12. I think it was 12, 12 from three or something like that. It was right. Her number against Georgia, right? Like, yeah. During no game last year, would Devin Carter take 12 threes? Wow. Um, and I think, you know, that's a result of uh, going down the line here, the, the scapegoat line, if you will. That's a, that's a result of uh, a diminishing, diminishing depth in the backcourt. And, that's because Jaden Pierre has been out with injury. Uh, he's the team's fourth leading scorer. Obviously, we can't uh, stress his importance to the team. Um, I think it's because, like you said a few minutes ago, Garway Duel has cooled off. Um, we really we saw him break out with Jaden Pierre in the backcourt against Milwaukee, but otherwise, uh, Duel he's he's cooled off. And I think what you said is spot on. He's going to be a two year guy. And I think it's because we've seen early season struggles from Corey Floyd as well. So Devin Carter, uh, the veteran uh, backcourt player on this team, has kind of been tasked with taking up that scoring load uh, from the guard position. Um, Not to mention Ticket Gaines, who was advertised as a three-point sharpshooter, is probably the worst three-point shooter on the team. Um, We can get into that in a few minutes too. But I think all in all, yes, I am a little bit concerned because – Devin Carter should be shooting better than he is. But at the same time, if, if you kind of peel back the layers a little bit and you look at why he's taking so many shots and, you know, the volume of the shots that he's taking is dragging down a shooting percentage, I think then you start to realize the reality of what's going on. And it's that our backcourt is really kind of, you know, it's on uh, it's it's in desperate need of oxygen right now. Once Jaden Pierre is back into the fold and Carter's not forced to make, you know, late shot, call, late shot clock plays. Um, you know, I think things will start to settle a little, a little bit, but what I will say is what drives me absolutely freaking nuts is the transition threes, like two seconds into the shot clock. I hate that. That drives me absolutely up a wall. You, you know, it's not going away. That's the that's the problem. Like it's that's gonna, the issue. It's going to continue to happen because it's just how I think Kim English and his staff want to run their offense. And look, we can be critical of obviously Kim English. He's had a nice start to his fire career, five and one. But I, I I agree. I don't think we need. I like, and I think you and I've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast, and I I stress this enough off the podcast as well. When you, chucking up an early shot clock three, unless you're wide open drives me nuts and I get it we're in a new era of basketball in the last five to ten years uh in the NBA and the college basketball when the three is way more important than it used to be but when you shoot a early three what uh, let me preface this when you can get a three you can get a three anytime 
more or less, unless you turn the ball over. You can get a, a look at three. There's no need to force a contested three early in the shot clock. Look, if you are eight seconds into your set and there's a lapse in the other team's defense and you can get an open three, I'm not going to be mad if you take it. I'm going to be mad if five seconds in or ten seconds in the shot clock, you try to pull a step back three and you brick it. I'm going to yeah. be mad because yeah. you can do that at basically any point in your offensive set in the front in the in the back in the front court. It's just right. that drives me nuts in the transition threes drive me nuts. And a team that wants to shoot a lot of threes, Joe, but they're not good at shooting threes currently. No, like, they're not. It's 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 a harsh reality because their three point percentage, I'm looking at it right now. You know, you want to know what it ranks in college basketball right now? I would love to. 248. <laughs> that is absurd. Their three point percentage ranks 248. At 30% from the field. The good thing is they defend threes really well. They're 60, 60th in the country against threes defending-wise. Yep. So I guess you have that. Uh, but you, you're you not a good three-point shooting team. You're not. But the offense is expected to shoot a lot of threes. It's a it's a weird thing because like you would think we would be a better three-point shooting team if Kim English wanted us to shoot more threes. But we're continuing to shooting threes and – or continually to struggle at shooting threes. Yeah, three point shooting has been um, <laughs> everything that you just said. I don't even know the the best way to summarize that. We knew coming into the season that this team was going to shoot more threes than fans have witnessed over the past uh, 12, 13 seasons under the former head coach. Um, but you know, I don't think we ever expected you know this many threes and i think the volume of threes has dragged the average down um which for us as fans and as amateur podcasters we hate um but it's something like you said we, we're gonna have to get used to it, unfortunately that's the reality of the situation yeah it's unfortunate and I don't know because it's going to continue to happen. And it's going to cost us in games. Yep. Like it co- I'm not. I don't. Remember. Did it really cost us in Kansas State? I don't remember. Um, but obviously, other stuff cost us in Kansas State, but it's going to cost us, right? And we we saw. We if you want to flip, we can talk about the defense, Joe. Because we can. the defense effective field goal percentage right now is eighth in the country. That's they're really eight, good. They're incredible defensively. I thought. Friday watching that game back was their first time that I was like a little skeptical of their defense. It mainly in the second half. Obviously yeah. 35 points and they only scored 37. So yeah. Um, so I I pulled an interesting nugget out of Kim's post-game press conference um following the 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 win. Um I almost called it a loss. Um he said that they didn't meet their mark. Uh, for the first time this season of keeping their opponent to under 40% from the field. Uh, so I looked back at every other game and he was correct. Mm-hmm. Columbia shot 29%, Milwaukee 37, Wisconsin 33, K-State 36, and Georgia 38. Uh, the average field goal percentage allowed by the Friars through that first five games, through the first four games, uh, for five games was 34.6%. And then Lehigh comes in without a win in division one and shoots 45% from the field at Providence. So I wasn't thrilled about the defensive performance. I mean, listen, listen, we're, we're being overly 
critical right now, but we'll, we'll we I will 100% take a win any day of the week. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it's pretty. I don't care if it's blowout. I don't care if it's a buzzer beater. I will take a win because I would much ha- rather have a win over Lehigh in our back pocket than a loss to Lehigh, but a great defensive performance, you know? Yeah, I agree. But with that said, Lehigh is a team that has not beaten a Division One opponent this season, and we only beat them by 14 at home while letting them shoot 45% from the floor on our home court. That's not acceptable. No, no, 100%. I No, I agree. Look, you're going to have games when you're, defend- you're not great on both sides of the ball, <clears throat> and that sounds like a football term, but defensively and offensively. Defense has been top-notch this year. They've been one of the best defensive teams in the country. They're eighth yep. in the country in opponent effective field goal percentage. That is crazy. They're eighth in opponent two-point percentage. They're tenth in opponent opponent shooting percentage. They're they're twentieth in opponent shooting efficiency. Like these are like top thirty stats, top ten, top fifteen stats that they're in. It's one of those type of things that they've been absolutely great defensively. You're gonna have games when you struggle, and I agree. I'm not. And look, the funny thing is, Joe. After tomorrow's game against, obviously we're recording on Monday night, but after tomorrow's game against Wagner, we're not gonna talk about this Lehigh game again. Like, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not. We're not. It's it's just uh, it's the beauty of the season. It's one of those type of games where when we're evaluating Providence in Big East playing towards the end of the year, like Lehigh's not popping up. No. You won by twelve. You won by fourteen. You won by eight. It's not popping up. If you lost, it's popping up because it's a bad loss. But because you won by 14 or you won by eight, it doesn't really matter in the long term of things, uh, long run of things. But it does matter in the short term of things, especially when we do two episodes a week and we're talking about Lehigh. But yeah, I do think the defense was up and down. It's just one of those type of things, man. Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving. You know what? We can blame it on turkey. Too much turkey on Thursday. We're going to blame it on the trip to fan. Turkey, mashed potatoes, some stuffing and whatever else people eat on Thanksgiving. I think we blame it on that. That's why they gave up 64 points, which yeah. is also not crazy amount of points. It's just you would and you would like to be in the 50s against a Lehigh type of team. Yeah, this is this is um, and this is why I, I we labeled the the episode "Winter is Coming." Right, like these are the games now. This is the part of the season where you start transitioning out of these you know mid-major bunny games and into you know the heavy hitting matchups, right? Like the URI rivalry, the Brown rivalry, you know, the big East big 12 battle, you're going to travel to Oklahoma and then conference play starts, right? Like this is where that transition starts happening. And I think we take for granted that in two weeks, we we won't be thinking about this Lehigh game. It'll just be another notch in the belt. So uh, that's some good perspective there. Let's round out uh, some other stats from this game and then get into the ad read. Uh, obviously, the Friars were led in scoring by Josh Oduro, who had 29 points and seven rebounds. He was joined in double figures by Bryce Hopkins, who tallied 25 points and 14 rebounds. 11 of those were defensive rebounds. Devin Carter chipped in with 10 points and seven rebounds. Friars shot 51% from the floor, 33% from beyond the arc, and 69% from the stripe. Uh, Lehigh had three players score in double figures. I don't even the ESPN box score just has their first initial, so we're gonna go Parolin, Higgins, and Sinclair. All right, Friars win this one by 14, 78, 64. Now for the ad read. 
As always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, to get in on the fun. Toggle over to the blog tab. That's where you'll find this podcast, along with some of the writing pieces that I've done for the site, as well as the writing pieces from our talented writers on site. If you head over to the merchandise tab, you will find the Flex merchandise, which will, you know, in the spirit of holiday shopping, Black Friday, today is Cyber Monday. The Flex merchandise will only be on the store for so much longer before we switch the logos. I was texting with Will Tondo, who is the founder of House Enterprise today, and the Providence POV logo will be going up on the store soon. So if you have not yet purchased your Flex merchandise, you're a longtime listener of the show, you want that vintage logo, go get that. If not, hang tight. The logo is being switched this week, and then you can get everybody that you love some Providence POV merch right in time for conference play. But anyways, Peter, on to Wagner. Tomorrow the Friars will host Wagner at home at the Amp. Um, Obviously, you know, another mid-major battle, but Wagner has some familiar faces, or I guess not familiar faces, but has seen some familiar faces as they did just play Seton Hall and URI a few weeks ago. What are you looking forward to in this game? Joe, you know, it's always tough to evaluate these type of games, right? Like when you and I talk about, obviously recap this Wagner game on Thursday and obviously preview the URI game, those games, and especially Oklahoma next week, and then obviously in Big East play, those games are easier to evaluate. We know more players on the team. Those teams are more or less competitive. It's a bigger game. This is another Lehigh game, right? Like it's another yeah. one of those games where you can put it in the Lehigh category. Like you don't, you don't, you won't put URI in the Lehigh category, and you definitely won't put Oklahoma in the Lehigh category. No. But if you if you look at Wagner's stats, Joe, they have one guy in double figures. They have they don't say his first name. M. Council Jr. Melvin Council Jr., a guard from Rochester, New York, is averaging thirteen points. Their second leading scorer is Ty J. Kelton, a six seven forward who's averaging 9.6 points. That's their second leading score. Yeah. So this Wagner team is two and three, right? They lost to Fordham by four, who's obviously an A-10 team, not, not the cream of the crop of the A-10, but a decent A-10 team. They beat Malloy, who you and I said we don't know if they're Division One because I have no idea. I don't think they are. They lose to URI by 16. They lose to Seton Hall by 21. And they beat NGIT by 13 who is a D1 opponent. So they're two and three. They lost to the three games they're supposed to, I guess, and they won their two games uh, that they were supposed to win, quote-unquote. But this team is not great offensively when you have one guy in double figures, a bunch of guys averaging nine, eight, six, five, and four. This team in Ken Palm is currently sitting at 296, and they rank 362 teams in Ken Palm, and they're 296. That is... Not great, obviously. Um, Lehigh was 256, so not too far. A worse team than Lehigh. It's one of those type of games where it's hard to break down because I don't know what they really expect from Wagner. I would expect the Friars to cruise to victory if they just do the fundamentals and do everything they're supposed to. I don't know how much of a scare this game could be until someone listens to this, we lose, and they clip it, and then... (laughs) <laughs> I'm online for saying we were going to smoke them and we lose. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, it's Joe. They have one guy in double figures. Definitely <laughs> didn't just knock on wood after hearing you say that. But um, no, I, I think you're right. This is, you know, like I said, uh, this is the part the, of the schedule here where, um, you know, these are the games that you, you play 
Uh, you do everything in your power to win comfortably in these games. Mm-hmm. Um, and for guys, you know, like we've said, like Bryce Hopkins, uh, you know, who has been having a, a rather inconsistent season, it's a get right game. Um, for someone like Ticket Gaines, who offensively has really struggled this season, this is a get right game, right? And I think Ticket has done all of the right things on the defensive side of the basketball, which is really all that you can ask for, especially when you're struggling to score. But this is the type of team where take advantage, you know, get right. See the ball go through the basket and keep it going. Um, Hopkins certainly took advantage of Lehigh in that way, and I would really like to see Gaines take advantage of Wagner in that way as well. Um, And just looking at the stats here, right? Providence has three guys averaging 15 a game. Devin Carter averages 15.8. And then the next leading scorer is Jaden Pierre, who's really only played three games. So that should tell you something about the scoring firepower on the Providence side of the ball versus the Wagner side of the ball. Um, I think the spread right now is uh, 21. Peter, I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's 20 and a half actually right now. It's bounced from like the 21s to 20. We didn't cover last game against Lehigh. The spread was around 18, 18 and a half, depending on obviously where you get, where you uh, obviously gamble, uh, depending on that. It was around 18, 18 and a half. We didn't cover. The fry, for pe- people that love to gamble, and I know a lot of people do, and I'm not, we're not saying you should, I'm just giving you the facts. Uh, Unless, of course, FanDuel or DraftKings or somebody wants to sponsor this, and then we are saying do that. Yes. And yes, and you then use one of those. Responsibly, uh, of course. Responsibly, yeah. Providence is three and they played six games. They're five and one overall, but they're three and three against the spread. And I three so three and three against the spread. And I kind of jokingly said off air, this would be their coin toss yeah. against the spread. And look, we kind of outlined Wagner basically not a great team, and neither was Lehigh. So it's you can take the Friars at 20, 20 and a half, or whatever it ends up to be. It could be around that number, but it's one of those type of games where I could totally see the Friars kind of sleepwalk through the game and win by 16 or win by 18. Uh, you never know, but it's one of those type of games where I don't know if they cover the 20 and a half. Look, Seen Hall beat him by 21. So you kind of do with that. Maybe they win by 21, 22. Uh, but it's one of those type of games where they probably don't fully cover the spread. Like they don't win by 25, 26, but they're three and three against the spread. It's one of those type of games and they're two and three against the spread as a favorite. So they have been very up and down as a favorite this year uh, for the people that like to gamble. I think, you know what? I, I'm going to change what I said before. I think we cover, okay. I think Providence will cover, um, because quite honestly, I think if they're – as you were talking, I was kind of think I was going through this in my head when you said they could sleepwalk through this and win by 16. They essentially it, – it, with the exception of Hopkins and Oduro, who accounted for 69% of the team's scoring last game, the entire team sleptwalked through the Lehigh matchup, whether it was the tryptophan or, you know, food coma from the stuffing or the sweet potatoes. The, the team more or less sleptwalked through that game. So I think – uh, based on Kim English's demeanor in the post-game press conference, which I do want to make a note on in a second, I, I think that he's going to have these guys ready to go tomorrow. I think they're going to command their way through the game. And again, I'm going to knock on wood here because I don't want people clipping this and, and going viral for that. But I, I think 
I think they'll cover. 20.5, I think they'll cover. Yeah, 100%. I, I, you make a good point there, Joe, with the fact that basically the whole team outside a couple players slept, walked through the Lehigh game last Friday. So it could be one of those type of games where kind of got to get everyone going again. Big stretch of two games coming up on Saturday and Tuesday uh, in the following week. So you kind of want to get everyone, I guess, going in the right direction. And obviously it depends on if Jaden Pierre plays. I don't think he'll play. I think they probably keep him out another game and get him just a couple weeks off that hammy. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how Garway plays again at the point because it's one of those type of things because he sh- wasn't great against Lehigh, especially offensively. Yeah. But I, I'm interested to see how he fares against Wagner. Yeah, me too. I, if I was Kim English, which I'm not, <laughs> I would err on the side of caution with getting uh, Jaden back into his starting spot. I think – you really you don't want to screw around with those like soft tissue injuries, especially if it's the hamstring and it's something that could be reoccurring. I think you want to let him take as much time as he needs to heal while the opponent level is still low, right? Like if this was Oklahoma, I'd say, okay, maybe, you know, we try and get him in an off-the-bench type of role. But since it's Wagner, I think you you, you let him rest. You see how he's, go- how he's feeling. Um, maybe get him a few minutes to get some run back, but – really kind of save him for the upcoming stretch of games that starts on Saturday. No, I 100% agree. All right. So that game, Wagner versus Providence, will be tomorrow, November 28th at 7 p.m. It'll be on Fox Sports 1, or if you are in the Rhode Island area, it'll be at the Amica Mutual Pavilion. Friars are favored by 20.5. I think that should do it from us here, Peter. Any closing thoughts from you? No, look, they took care of business against Lehigh. We saw a nice 14-point win, even though it was a little bit up and down. Bryce Hopkins kind of got back on track. It's inter- It'll be interesting to see if he can string together two good shooting performances. I think that will be something you and I will be talking about on Thursday when we're recapping this game and obviously previewing the URI matchup on Saturday. Absolutely. That's definitely one of the many storylines to – Be on the lookout for Friday morning when our next episode airs. But until then, I'm Joe Howie. That's Peter DiBiase. Thanks for listening. You can follow us at Providence POV on Twitter. You can pound the link tree in our bio to get to the merchandise tab, House Enterprise tab. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're consuming your audio content. For Peter, this is Joe. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.